0: So, Felice, did you spend a lot of time in the library as a teenager?
1: I actually don't remember spending any time in the library really? as a teenager. And I loved reading, but like all my memories of the library are as a child uh-huh. or in college. Right. Yeah, How yeah. How about yeah. you?
0: I do have a strong memory of my school library when I was a teenager because I was really into this book series that my mom just did not think was great reading. So she conspired with the school librarian to get, you know, different books to slip under my nose so that I'd be reading something of better literary value. And the librarian introduced me to Cynthia Voigt's first book, which is called Homecoming and it's part of a series, and it really blew my mind because it was this beautiful lyrical writing about the inner lives of you know tweens and teenagers, and I hadn't really read that
1: anywhere else other than like little women. Oh, that's awesome. I think when we were growing up, the young adult genre, books written for ages 12 to 18, wasn't a huge part of the literary market like it is today. The YA genre really exploded in the early 2000s with the Harry Potter series, and hugely successful YA writers like Meg Cabot and John Green. Right, and today's teens are pretty
0: lucky when it comes to books. We're in what some are calling the second golden age of YA publishing. After the first era, mostly epic fantasy books like Lord of the Rings and Narnia in the middle of the 20th
1: century. And it's not just teens who are lucky. Many YA readers today are not young adults at all. A study in 2012 found that 55% of YA readers are over the age of 18. In fact, reading among teens in general has plummeted in the last decade or so. According to Common Sense Media, the percentage of 17-year-olds who read for pleasure at least once a week went from 64% in 1984 to 40% in 2012. And the number of teens who say they never read for pleasure went from 9% to 27% in the same 28-year period. I think it's safe to say that books are no
0: longer the only thing that will bring teenagers into the library. So we have got to figure something else
2: out. Hi, my name is Jasmine, and my character's name is Lavina Moonwhisper. So she's a cleric, she's nice, she's tiny, small. She's a dwarf, I think, a hill dwarf. Yeah. My character is Zelda. He is a wizard. Like he has all kinds of spells.
1: Hi, my name is Jalen in the game. My name is Yandu. After the Guardians of the Galaxy character. He's basically a dragonborn. Who sh- spits poisonous oh,
0: spit? In a small room in the Mill Basin neighborhood of Brooklyn, a group of middle schoolers are gathered around a table. There's the smell of pizza, and huge bottles of soda in tiny cups are scattered across the table. It feels like a pretty typical preteen hangout.
1: Hi, my name is Jonas um, Atime. I'm, f- it's a French last name. Anyways, um, my character's name is Brog. He is a monk, which is the type of class that you have. He's a half-orc monk, and the only thing he ever says is "brog." For the uninitiated... These kids are talking about Dungeons and Dragons, a role-playing board game that's played with lots of imagination and lots of die. This is a 12-sided die, which is a die you could use for damage. This is a 10-sided
0: die, a 6-sided die. Which... After the kids eat some pizza and a few first-timers choose their characters, Giovanni, the game master, gets everyone's attention. The game is about to start.
2: All right, everybody, can can, can you can you settle down? You see.
1: So, last time, um, Dama died fighting the Nothic, a crazed wizard that. For the next hour and a half, the preteens play the game. Characters throw stones, regroup, and jump over each other. It's a room full of laughter and concentration, which, for eleven to fourteen-year-olds, is pretty cool. Here's Giovanni. Um, we start playing at the library because it's a quiet place.
2: And then Dama came over and proposed that we make a program out of it. Our program is all kind of just about making it work. Um, it's not really about like preserving the integrity of the game or anything like that. So, sorry. But, um, yeah, it's about what they want and like them being able to control a narrative. That last
1: voice is Damla
2: Beck. I am the young adult librarian here at the Mill Basin Branch Library. We do have a middle school maybe four blocks down that way. So we get the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders in here a lot. Um, They come in every day after school, 2.30, on the dot. And um, for a while, we had trouble with crowd control. You know, we also have a lot of, like, um, families who come here, and when you have, like, really little kids uh, hearing, like, cursing or whatever, or, like, if the, the tweens are, like, running around, not really watching where they're going, which is a thing that they do. They have, like, zero bodily spatial awareness. We, we needed to do something. And this is a tension that a lot of
0: our smaller branches face. How do you encourage people of all ages to use the library while making sure that the habits of one age group don't scare off another? So
1: staff at Mill Basin decided to make the library's one meeting room into a teen zone during after-school
2: hours. Um, so from like 2:30 to 4, I set out some programming laptops for them. Uh, let them play on the Xbox if they want. Again, Fortnite's super big. They also play Madden. I'm waiting on 2K. And it's working for Mill Basin.
0: For a few hours after school,
2: middle schoolers have a place to be themselves without fear of disrupting the rest of the library. Libraries are like easily one of the last places in this country that you can go to and you're not expected to buy anything. Um, So it's not like, like they're 12. They don't have jobs. They can't just go to the diner and sit there for four hours. Like this isn't Riverdale. They don't have the money to spend.
1: This isn't Riverdale. This is Brooklyn.
2: And you're listening to
0: Borrowed.
1: I'm Krissa Corbett-Cavoris. And I'm Felice Bell. Today, teens take over.
3: Hey everybody, how we doing? Welcome to Urban RGF 2019 GMF.
2: So I'm hoping to um, the Urban Art Jam, it's an event for teens. It has all teenage
1: performers, teenage visual artists, teenage spoken word, and uh, of course put on for teens.
3: The Urban Art Jam is like one of the biggest events that shows teenagers um, that they can come to the library and have fun too, and it doesn't always have to be about
0: reading. This past April, on a Saturday night, teens took over Central Library for a big party. Urban Art Jam had its fourth annual showcase, complete with food, loud music, and a lot of 13 to 19-year-olds.
1: Uh, basically, you know, teens get together for one night and do art-making activities together. Uh, they watch performances, eat, and just have spaces to bond. It turns out that's a big focus of the library these days. Those three teens you just heard, Alec, Amina, and Iquan, are members of the library's Youth Council.
3: So I hadn't really been to the library since I was a lot younger. Like, I stopped going when I was maybe 12 or 13.
0: This is Jane, another teen who's very involved in the library. She's 16 and works as a librarian intern at New Utrecht, her local branch.
3: Right now, most of what I do varies day by day. Like, each day there's a new thing to do. Some days it might be painting something for the arts and crafts or making a display for Father's Day. A lot of the time it's helping supervise the programs, whether it's with teens like teen tech time or with the kids arts and crafts.
1: Jane is also a library peer leader a group of teenagers who worked as interns at BPL and are now back to advise staff on how to make teen experiences better at the library. Um, I'm Lily and I am a peer leader mentor at the Mapleton branch. Maybe like the floor plan of these libraries just I don't think they really considered, like, having teens in
0: it in the first place. It's true. Most of our branches, and public libraries across the country in general, just weren't designed with teenagers in mind. At Mapleton, where Lily works, there isn't really much of a place for them. There's just, like, a couple tables.
1: And if the kids aren't already there, then they might have to just sit with the adults or stand around. Some of them, they go to the toddler area. And it's like really awkward and like maybe you should go downstairs and it's like, oh, it's too quiet. I don't want to work in that.
0: Once you turn 13, you enter this strange limbo in the library. You don't belong in the children's section anymore and you can't use the kids' computers. You can check out books from the adult section if you want and you have to use the adult computers, which can be uncomfortable for teens and adults depending on what each age group chooses to watch or do
1: on the computers. The peer leaders have thought a lot about what make for good teen spaces.
3: Us teenagers, I think we like things simple. So teen area should be like simple color. I don't know why like adults think we love color so much. I feel like if you make the teen space like appealing and like attractive, teens might come to library more to take pictures of it. Like, you know, for Instagram.
1: These teens have lots of ideas for the library. They also recommended that teen spaces have marker boards, test prep books, and computers just for teens where they can print their homework quickly. And Brooklyn is planning to make teen spaces just
0: like that in all 60 of our libraries. Just this past March, a big new teen tech center opened at King's Highway Library with computers, a recording studio, and lots of software and hardware for digital media making. And it has been packed every day since it
4: opened.
1: Unfortunately, the library hasn't always been such a welcoming place for teens.
4: When I was a teenager, uh, my, my branch that I went to was Clinton Hill. I went in there a couple of times, and every single time I went in there, I got kicked out.
0: Carrie Holland was a teenager in Brooklyn in the
4: 1980s. You were kind of either predators or prey. It's, a, it's, it's sad for me to say it like that growing up in Brooklyn, but I grew up during the crack era. And uh, so I've seen a lot of what I would call bad. You know, I've also seen a lot of good. But during this time, you know, as a teenager, we were uh, very lost and forgotten about age group. We, I was isolated.
0: Carrie still remembers the last time he got kicked out of the library.
4: I went in there with a friend of mine from school and we kind of were like, ducking out in there knowing that there was already a bad element running around in the neighborhood so we were kind of using this as a lay low cover some of those kids ended up coming in there and they saw us and they knew that oh yeah these are guys that you know we can we could try to mess with and then the security there said hey if you guys don't quiet down I'm going to kick you guys out and I told them hey we're not with these guys They said, I don't care. I see all of you guys together. I'm kicking you all out. So I tried to sit back down and just hopefully stay um, unnoticed. And it didn't work because of the way these kids started throwing stuff at us. And then as Kerry said, all right, all of y'all get out. So um, let's just say, you know, during that time, I learned to become a track star.
0: Kerry's story is pretty indefensible. He was trying to use the library as a safe haven, but the library kicked him out.
4: I realized that this is not a place that I can go, especially to feel safe, to feel welcome, you know. So I just stopped using it altogether. I didn't come back until they actually hired me.
1: This is not the approach we have today toward teenagers. We want teens to use the library. And Kerry did come back to the library years after he was kicked out as a
0: clerk and then as a tech resource specialist. It was in the early 2000s, while working at Windsor Terrace Library, that Carrie started to pick up on a problem.
4: There was no community centers for the, for, for the children, especially free ones. And then I realized, I'm in an, a position where I can do something.
1: It started with a group of teens playing the card game, Yu-Gi-Oh! Carrie saw the teens and opened up the meeting room for Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments. Soon enough, the teens told their friends. Kerry put in couches and a PlayStation for rock band, and it became a tradition. Every afternoon
0: from 2.30 until 5 or 6, the meeting room became this popular hangout space in the community. One day, a few years later...
4: One kid came to me and was like, hey, is the clubhouse open? And I didn't process to me at that time, and I was like, oh, you mean the meeting room, clubhouse, oh, okay, yeah, 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 go ahead, it's open. So that's how that named the clubhouse, I guess, it stuck in with the kids, and... Um, It just became its own entity, if you will. And this happened, whoo, I'm going to say for the better part of about eight years, it was going on that successful.
1: Now the original Clubhouse kids are in their late 20s. A handful come back once a year to see Kerry for dinner and update him on their lives.
4: There's one girl who I am like godfather to her baby. Um, One is studying to be a pediatrician right now. One is a registered nurse. Um, One is an accountant with the New York State Retirement Services. So I told him to make sure that my money's right when I retire. Uh, One is an FBI analyst. Uh, A lot of them have gone on to great things. So I made a lot of what I would call mistakes growing up. And I always said, if I could teach one and give him a better environment where um, he could realize that education could help him and also information could help propel him, and then I've done my job.
0: Since Carrie started the clubhouse at Windsor Terrace Library, there have been other thriving teen groups, and a lot of them center
1: around games and gaming.
5: If you told me 10 years ago that libraries bought video games and invested money in gaming, I would have like laughed. I would have been like, what?
1: This is Yosenex Arengo, a YA librarian at Stone Avenue in Brownsville, which is where he grew up.
5: You know, I I remember as a child, you know, being kind of like, there's always been like a stigma against gamers or against people who are into video games, Even, and teachers would ridicule me, but I'm like, look where I am now, you know, I've, I've taught, I've lived abroad, I, I work as a librarian now, you know, I earned my master's, so you know, and I learned a lot of st- stuff just from gaming.
0: One thing that Yosunex learned from video games is Japanese. He spent two years after college teaching English in Japan, and when he became a librarian, he started teaching Japanese classes at the library.
5: So last week, we did a little katakana exercise. Does anybody remember what katakana is?
1: Yosunex is a very popular person among the teens at Stone Avenue. The librarians there like to joke that the most frequently asked question at the reference desk is,
0: where's Yosnex? And it's not just Japanese. Yosnex runs a ton of different teen programs.
5: Mondays, we typically do STEM. Tuesdays and Fridays is always like the anticipation for gaming, you know, and like seeing, you know, how the kids will compete. Um, Board games, we do board games on Thursdays, which also ties into our um, chess instructing.
1: Gaming has had a big impact on his life. It's also what connects him to the teens at the library.
5: If I see anybody wear a gaming shirt or anything like that, or, some, or show any sort of interest, or if they're watching games on YouTube, I invite them to the programs that we have, and they come, and little by little, they become part of our family.
0: Yosin X just won Brooklyn Public Library's 2019 Librarian Excellence Award, and it is totally deserved. Young adult librarians like Yosenex spend a lot of time around teens, and that means that they end up being these subject matter specialists on what it means to be a teenager.
5: You know, they see me as one of their leaders, too. They see me as one of them in a strange way, too. I guess I'm a big teenager in disguise, you know, in disguise as a librarian.
0: Up next, we have our book match segment with another teen librarian. Emma Carbone has a list of books about games and gaming.
3: YA right now is having a great moment in literature um, and it's really an area that's exploded in the past few years and even if the stories are similar like you can see here they all have a gaming aspect or competition in them there's always something new to discover and I feel like being able to read books about these characters who are still Figuring things out is very refreshing and sometimes offers a lot of optimism to see that you know it's never too late to sort of course correct and keep trying. So my first recommendation is Caraval by Stephanie Garber, and the story starts with a character named Scarlet who has spent several years writing to Caraval master Legend, trying to convince him to bring the game of Caraval back to her home, but nothing has quite worked, and she's just about resigned herself to the fact that she won't be able to attend the games before her marriage when she gets a letter with a ticket to Caraval. Caraval's meant to be a game and a diversion for the players and the spectators, but Scarlet soon realizes that the stakes are very real. And as uh, one of the people in the game warns her, It's easy to get swept away, but she has to be careful not to get swept too far. She can sip magic from a cup and buy dreams in a bottle, but she has to always remember that it's a game. And if she forgets that, she risks losing herself and her sister forever. Uh, I'm a big fan of Pokemon Go. I'm still playing it, even though it's been a few years since it first came out. So if you've ever wondered what a story might look like with an augmented reality game uh, like that one, or like the Harry Potter ones that are coming out, Warcross by Marie Lu is a great book to check out. In this book, it's near-ish future, and it's set in a world where Everyone has augmented reality uh, glasses or contact lenses and everyone plays this game called Warcross which the author has described as a cross between augmented reality and like Quidditch. So when Amika decides to take a big risk and try to hack the Warcross championships she feels like the rewards could pay off. Except that the hack glitches and she actually puts herself into the games. So suddenly, Amika is no longer an anonymous hacker, her secret's out, and she's pretty sure she's heading to jail. Then everything sort of goes sideways, and instead she's recruited by the eccentric billionaire founder of Warcross, Hideo Tanaka, to head to Japan, actually join the Warcross games, and try to track down a spy inside the Warcross championship. And then in a totally different vein, I have a graphic novel recommendation, which is Nothing Can Possibly Go Wrong, by, written by Prudence Shen, and illustrated by Faith Aaron Hicks. And the story follows Charlie, who is the super captain of the school basketball team, and his best friend, Nate, who is the kind of eccentric and kind of frantic head of the robotics club. The two of them used to be best friends. But then Nate wound up declaring war on the cheerleaders and the cheerleaders retaliated by pitting Nate and his best friend, Charlie, against each other in a really nasty class election. The class president helps decide which will get funded. There can be uniforms for the cheerleaders or there can be money to head to a robotics competition, not both. Unless Charlie and Nate can figure out a way to change the rules, only one of them can win. And this one is laugh-out-loud-funny with a lot of great artwork. So I'm sure you'll find something to enjoy in there.
1: Borrowed is brought to you by Brooklyn Public Library and is hosted by me, Felice Bell, and Krissa Corbett-Kavoris. You can find a transcript of this episode at our website, bklynlibrary.org podcasts podcast, as well as a link to the book match list. We've also put links to information about the various teen programs happening at the library.
0: Borrowed is
1: produced and
0: written by Virginia Marshall with help from Fritzie Bodenheimer, Jennifer Prophet, Meryl Friedman,
1: and Robin Lester-Kenton. Our music composer is Billy Libby. We are recording from Central Library's Information Commons recording studio. And guess what? If you have a BPL library card, you can reserve time here too and make your very own podcast.
0: And as long as we're recommending books on Borrowed, why not recommend some other podcasts? These two are dear to our hearts because they were made by our very own teens at Brooklyn Public Library. KNRC Youth Radio and Brownsville Excerpts are two podcasts produced by teens from Canarsie Library and Brownsville Library. Both feature stories from teens about what's important to them in their neighborhoods.
1: You can find both of those podcasts on our website or on iTunes. And while you're there in your podcast app, leave a rating and a review for Borrowed. We'd really appreciate it. That's it for this episode. Don't grow up. It's a trap. Thanks for listening
5: to Borrowed. That's amazing. Thank you.